Hi, my name is Bodhi Asimoto. I'm a sports writer here at Kaleo Hawaii. And today I'm joined with my editor, Reese, as always. And we'll be getting into the San Diego State game. Let's get right into it. Okay, so Reese, I, I feel, yeah, it's starting to get really weird because this is our, what, 11th episode? But, you know, how was the game? What, what were your thoughts? Um, first off, though, I would like to issue an apology um, to our viewership and also my superiors at Kaleo in advance. Um, college football this week has really gotten on my nerves. So forgive me if I sound negative and or bitter. A lot of things I want to get off my chest this week that aren't really positive. But um, about the game, I thought as a view football viewer, it was all right. I mean, a hard defensive showdown, which is what I kind of expected. Um, I know people don't like that. They want to see these high-octane offenses that drop 40 to 50 points a game. And then, you know, Hawaii likes to run these physical games. But um, other than that, I don't know what to say. I mean, Todd Graham wants these games to be hard-fought physical games. And Saturday was one, but they didn't win. Like San Jose State was the exact same type of game, and they didn't win that one either. And now they just have to win out to have a chance of making a bowl game. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> we do like to be, or early on in the podcast, we did like to be a little bit negative. Um, before I get to my opening thoughts, I just want to get to a little bit of news. It's not necessarily football, well, one bit is football related, but um, I believe uh, for basketball, Juan Munoz and um, Samuta Ave are both out for the season. And True Edwards, the wide receiver wearing number one, has just entered the transfer portal. So just some interesting things to note before we start the podcast, because on, on my way to the newsroom, that's kind of some of the interesting stuff I saw. But getting into my actual game thoughts, yeah, like you said, it was a hard defensive battle. I mean, it wasn't that hard to predict. San Diego State's one of the best defenses in the Mountain West. And our offense has been, to put it nicely, slow. But um, I, I'm a little bit the opposite of you. I get that, you know, hard defensive struggle. It's just like, ooh, you know, you like to see that. But you, know, you called me a hipster when we were at the New Mexico State game. You're like a football hipster. You like defensive struggles. Oh, man. This, if it's no turnovers, it's kind of boring. It, it's very boring. But, um, you know, they didn't hit the over. I was correct. I hit that one on the head. And um, one more thing, you were almost correct on your preseason prediction. So close. So close. But, I mean, I, I feel like I've gotten my thoughts out good. I mean, you know, the defense... The defense played, I think they played really well. Graham, so said, Graham said so himself in the post-game press conference. And the offense, I mean, I think you're starting to see the Hawaii faithful. I think you're starting to see their tensions boil over a little bit with Bo Graham. Uh, you said you, I, you think he'll be back next season. Me, I'm not entirely sure. I think if uh, things get restless towards the end of the season and they don't win out, I, I think you could see a change in OC. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I would say there's probably going to be a change of coordinator if that, like, I, I still think he's going to be on staff, but you, you're, you're probably right. Like, if he doesn't, um, or if Hawaii doesn't win out, 
probably a new person running the offense next season. And who knows? Maybe um, if Graham needs more time to focus on the special teams. I mean, Corey Bethley's, I believe, is seen. They should just bring him on to staff to be the defensive coordinator. Honestly, after watching this season, I'm, I'm one of the biggest Corey Bethley fans you'll find out there. I think he's played amazing. I think he's the star of the defense. You know, a lot of people talked about Darius Musa coming out of the season, uh, coming into the season, and then Cortez Davis. But you've seen, the, you've seen the guy in the middle of the defense, the guy who's been pretty much calling whatever he sees. It's Corey Bethley. He's been the leader of this white defense. My favorite player of the season. Yeah, he's probably going to be, you know, their, their team MVP of the season. Like, like his play has been just phenomenal. I think every, a lot of the focus was on this offensive side this year. But Bethley has done a really good job anchoring that defense. All right, now that we've got our opening thoughts out of the way and a little bit of news, which is a first for us, uh, we'll get into our game thoughts of through all three phases of the games. So, Reese, like always, start with the offense. Again, don't have a lot of nice things to say about the offense. Um, the touchdown to Calvin Turner was cool, I guess. It was like a first, that was the first play, I think, coming off the turnover. And it's probably one of the few times they passed on first down Saturday. Um, Shevin Cordero, one interception, not great. Um, you know, triple coverage on third down is not a great read. Um, it seemed like the offensive line collapsed hard, pretty hard against the Aztecs front three. Um, and then there were a couple of penalties that negated critical plays, like the I think the solo by Poo, uh, unnecessary roughness on one of the Turner catches. Yeah, I mean, what can you say about this offensive Cordero did have some bad reads, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think that two, I'm not sure you can call Calvin Turner a true running back, but Calvin Turner and Dedrick Parson, they took over the game. They for for the limited amount of offense that there was, Dedrick Parson led them in rushing and receiving, and Calvin Turner was second, not close behind in receiving. With I think uh, Parson had 38 yards, and I believe Turner had 37. So, I mean, it's a, it's a close race, but, I mean, Dedrick Parson had 11 for 51 on the ground, uh, 46 4.6, sorry, yards per carry. And, um, you know, I, I think he did they, – they were the offense. I mean, you know, you saw Cordero struggle. One of my friends texted me after the game, Cordero is not good, and – I am paraphrasing because I can't say a lot of those words on the internet. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, you saw Cordero struggle in the first half with that terrible, terrible intercession we'll get to later. But I think he rallied a little bit in the uh, second half. I mean, he went 15 for 22, 132 yards. It, it, well, it's not a great stand line. It's not like he killed them, except for that last read on the final uh, four verts. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't all his, his fault. I mean, there was this one play where I think he he scrambled out and then went weak side, and he threw a nice ball to his tight end, proceeded to drop it. So, you know, it wasn't all on Cordero. There was a lot of drops, but um, you talked about the bad read, hitting your check down on in the final play. There was a, there were a lot of time management and issues late in that fourth quarter um you know a lot of fans called for the no huddle on that i think second to last 
offensive drive for Hawaii. And I kind of agree with them. I mean, if you're going to go 15 plays and eat 440 off the clock down 10, you better get six. You can't to get a field goal running that conservative of an offense. That's inexcusable. And then that last play of the game, I think the reason why they didn't get that playoff was because of Calvin Turner, in my opinion. If he hustles back, I think Hawaii has a chance to get the snap off. And again, it, it was poor time man, management, but it shouldn't have gotten to that point. Wow, Reese, starting with the rant, starting strong. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a really good segue into what we think went poorly. You talked about Cordero hitting the check down on, I think, was that like, it was either the final play or the second to last play. But yeah, I mean, you're down. I think that at that point they were down seven because they kicked the field goal. But I mean, on your like second to last play, it was like what 10, 20 seconds left on the clock, and you hit the check down, and then you go one play, and then time runs out. Which to, to be fair, I, I think they it, it looked to me like they snapped it with at least one second, but I'm not gonna talk about the officiating because we've done that way, way too much this season. Um, I mean, outside of that, I, Parson went out a little bit in the fourth quarter with an injury, but but then he came back. Cordero, they, uh, we, you talked about that a little bit. That third down interception into triple coverage. I mean, I, I really wanted to ask him what he saw, but I didn't want to, you know, they're, they're very not happy with the loss, obviously. But, yeah, I, I have no idea what he saw in that triple coverage. It was a killer. I, I mean, it's three Aztec defense. It's not like he was throwing to Calvin Johnson. But another thing, I mean, I, I get the conservative play calling in the beginning, but going into the fourth quarter, when you're like you said, when you're down ten, all all that goes to the goes to the side. Like you have to win the game. I don't care if you're Mike White, who, great quarterback for the New York Jets. I don't care if you're goddamn Nathan Peterman. You have to go and throw the ball down the field. You can't just keep doing an inside zone run and then throw a quick pass to your check down. Like, what, what are you doing? That, that should be my catchphrase at this point because I feel like I've yelled at, it at everything I think sucked this season. What are you doing? It's like our version of come on, man. Anyway... <laughs> Let's get into a phase of the game that went a little bit better. The defense. I mean, we highlighted Corey Bethy a little bit at the beginning of the, of the show. So why don't you get into some other players that you um, saw stand out? I didn't really look at players individually, but I thought the defense did their job. You know, I think when you hold a team to 227 total yards of offense, and like Coach Graham said, that was San Diego State season low. The fact that there were only three points off of turnovers too, I think that was the the correct stat um that's because of this defense like they kept the offense in the game and even then it wasn't enough so i don't know i know san diego state's not known for the offense but usually if you hold the opposing team to 99 passing yards, yeah. it's supposed to be a winning recipe um the only thing i do want to think bring up is the defense's containment of the quarterback it seems like they collapsed a lot like biting on those zone reads and they weren't sealing off the edge I thought Lucas Johnson, um, San Diego State's quarterback, he got some significant yards on the ground for San Diego State. 
and then it happened on a special teams play that we'll get into later on. You know, you talked about um, the secondary holding Lucas Johnson to only 99 pass yards. I, I don't know if this is just because I saw it early in the game or not, but it, it looked like they some of the corners were getting beat on like the comeback a lot. Like uh, it's just, it's something I saw. It, it ended up not being a problem because they only allowed 99 pass yards. But yeah, I mean, I think something good that you saw was, yeah, you mentioned the season low 227 yards of total offense for the Aztecs. But I think you saw a really good define. I think this was a defined game. Despite the loss, it was a defining game of this defense. They've always been a bend, don't break defense. Technically, they've really only allowed seven true points because they had the touchdown, the five. Yeah, okay. You're saying 10, but I'll get to that in a minute. So there was a Greg Bell five-yard touchdown run, which, you know, sure, whatever. But, I mean, you know, the three points on a turnover, I mean, eh. And then the seven points on that field goal that we'll get to, that's not totally on the defense. Like, with a short field and a field goal, eh. But that that five-yard, I mean, it's only one touchdown. If you have a defense that only gives up one true touchdown that's an insane performance you know you'd like you'd like to see the shutout but uh you know that really only happens a ton in soccer so yeah um actually another set i wanted to get to was it was their second lowest rushing yard performance by the Aztecs, 128 yards and their third lowest pass yards it was the third time they were held under 100 yards which begs the question What's wrong with this Aztecs pass offense? I think it's just not their philosophy. I mean, I think um, Todd Graham said it himself, like they rely or they, I guess the better word for it is they run off their defense and their special teams play, which is elite. We'll get into special teams later. But yeah, if when you're running these strong defense and you're pinning your opponents deep in their own territory, you don't really need to score 30 points a game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do definitely want to get to the special things because it's a it's a small paragraph, but it, it's a big part in my heart and in my recap of the game. Um, so going more into the bed, I talked about the off coverage early in the game, but it, it turned out fine. Only 99 yards. Um, honestly, there, there's not a lot to say. <laughs> the only thing I got was that Greg Bell five-yard touchdown. Other than that, good, solid defense. You got anything to say, man? No, not really. I think there was maybe like one penalty. I think it was a pass interference. That was a bad. That was a bad penalty. Like it was pretty clear that the defender shoved him. So, but other than that, it was a pretty good defense. All right, now for the the best phase of the game, the the most important phase of the game. I guess you could say it's really special. The special teams. So, you know, I think despite the offense and the defense, you know, you saw a really good defense struggle, but the punting battle, that's where the action was at. You had one of the best punters. You have probably the best punter in the punter in the country, potentially in all of college football so far, in Matt Ariza. I think he had an 80, 86? Yeah, 86 yard long against San Jose State. And he had an 81-yarder against Air Force. He had a 79-yard punt. 
now you you never think Ponta that um, that fun, but if you heard the press box, everyone was like, "Holy crap!" I kick it 79 yards, and it was just it was a beauty to see. And as Pat McAfee, as Pat McAfee would say, it's for the brand. Yeah, it was crazy. Like you talk about that 79 yard punt. I think the television graphic in the third quarter was like Hawaii total yards of offense was 80. And then that punt was 79, which I mean, I guess they didn't have to do Hawaii that bad, but it was kind of one then. So, but um, yeah, the punting battle was w- weird. I mean, Matthew Shipley's punts compared to Arise's, they didn't look great. Um, they weren't bad punts, but he just kept getting some backspin on him. So it ended up getting less yards than it should have been. And I'd like to say, well, backspin is always a good, it's a great part of punting if you're trying to pin someone within like the 10 yard line. But these punts were hitting like the 30, the 20. I mean, you don't want it coming back through there. But I want to. I'll do something. You have your stat sheet there. Don't look at the punting. How much yardage do you think Matt Ariza had? Do you mind giving me how many times he punted? Five. Five. Hmm. I gotta say it's about 250. Wow. I gotta one of these questions you gotta get like really wrong someday. But yeah, it's 248. 248. He had a 49.6 average punt. Jesus, that that's it. As someone who tried to punt once, that is crazy to me. <laughs> and believe me, I will never be punting again. But um, another thing I wanted to get to was their kit coverage. What are you doing? That's going to be our new code graphic. What are you doing? Because, Jesus, that, that first kickoff, I think they got back to the... Did, did they get back to the Hawaii 49? But it was something really crazy like that i mean you know you've seen people get maybe to the 30 to the 35 but to get to the opposing 49 that's just it's bad kick coverage yeah i mean the huge run back on the opening kickoff that was huge like it led to a short field for san diego state on both of their drives and they scored on the second one because again shipley's punt was i think it was short his backspin and all that but yeah it ended up playing in the long run. It ended up hurting Hawaii. And, you know, I'm not saying San Diego State wouldn't have dropped seven points on that drive anyway. But I think when you give up 50 yards on a kickoff return and your kickoff specialist ends up being the like the touchdown saving tackle, I mean, we love to see kickers making tackles, but that wasn't great. Yeah, it doesn't help. I, I will say kickers. Kickers and punters making tackles can be beautiful. Like, I don't know if you remember that Matt Bosher tackle a few years ago. Ooh, that was a beaut. But yeah, shout out to Kyler Halverson, who um, is from Hawaii. He went to Kaiser. He actually knew my friend uh, Ethan Lynch, who plays running back over at Pacific University. But yeah, shout out to him getting two tackles. Yeah, you, man. Kickers are people too. Anyway, I mean, I, I think that's all you can really say about the game. It was a relatively slow game, hard defensive battle with good things. Oh, you had one more thought? Shoot, my man. Not necessarily about the game, but Saturday's game, I think the main thing was there was no capacity limits at the stadium. And it was great to see more than a 1,000 people back. But 
I think the I think the turnstile number was five thousand one hundred nineteen. That's it's it's disappointing for a lack of better words. I thought closer to Honolulu, it'd get more people here and fill the nine thousand easily. But I was wrong. I mean, maybe it's just because COVID is a factor and people are trying to you know social distance and all that. But still, great to see those who showed up. That student section did look rocking. Yeah. To be fair, I think what about a thousand maybe a thousand a hundred people who uh got tickets ended up not showing because they said they distributed what six thousand two hundred thirty nine i believe and only yeah five thousand one hundred nineteen showed up and honestly it maybe it's because the acoustics of the stadium aren't that loud but you couldn't hear that many people the student section though the student section was rocking i honestly if i wasn't running for the game i would have been down there that would have been lit am i allowed to say that does that make me sound old? Probably. But, you know, that, that student section was rocking. Every single song that came on the on the PA, you saw them jump in with their, I don't know, was that like a light stick? Or was it like one of those balloon things? We don't know what it was when they're down there. But yeah, you saw them jump in. They were going crazy. It looked like a good time, man. And that's what college football is about. Having a really good time. Even when you lose. <laughs> anyway. I'll let you talk about what song you chose to, you know, represent this game. I'll go with the negative again. Um, poor time management, poor offense. You suggested Out of Time by the Rolling Stones, but um, I think I'm going to have to go with Say Something by A Great Big World, speaking from a fan perspective. Um, it looked frustrating to watch the offense, saw a lot of angry people on Twitter, and I think they've got one foot over the wrong side of the fence about having the head coach's son running the offense when it's not going well. Um, I'm not saying there are any, if there are any to begin with fans who are going to give up on this program, but they, it's starting to seem like they're beginning to give up on the coaching staff. You know, like you, I, I was talking, we were, I mean, we had a long walk back to the car since we parked at Bachman this time, but, um, you know, walking back, I told you, you know, Hey, maybe I'll go by Mr. Sandman, which you didn't know what song that was, but it's this really old song by the, um, Cordettes and uh, because, you know, the game and the offense nearly put me to sleep i know i know defensive struggles but jesus christ it was it was a little bit of a snooze fest for me because no offensive scoring eh. but you know that that i feel like that takes some credibility away from me but i ended up going with uh, another juice world song i went with bad energy because i think the frustration of the whole way faithful is heading towards a boiling point if it if not already there in terms of their frustration with Bo Graham, I mean, even with the off, even when the uh, teams won, the offense is still looks sluggish in my opinion. You know, like the Portland State game, they stalled out real quick. The Mexico State game, you saw chances where you look like maybe the Aggies are going to come back. And uh, if, I think if it wasn't for the run game, this offense would be dead on arrival. I, I'm just going to go out there and say it. Dating Hunter and DJ Parson have been the MVPs for the offense, at least, for this season. Hey, yeah, there's a reason why I didn't know. Because you said it was the Cornets. So that's not really my style. I know that's a long way back. But, um, yeah. I'm younger than you. I'm not saying it's a bad song, song choice. It's just I've never heard of it, which is fair. I mean, good for you for going back in time. Oh, wait. So what was the reason you never heard of the song? Oh, is it just because it's really old? 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, all right. That, that's fair. Anyway, <laughs> I, I feel like we're alienating our, like, older audience. Like, anyone who's probably, like, you know, 50, maybe, and above is just like, ah, Jesus Christ. These kids. We alienate the people in the press box. Were you there the other week when we, or not the other week, the other month? I don't think you were there, but we were talking about Fresno State and I was like, I'm too young to remember David Carr. And then the guy, somebody in the box was like, I'm, I'm getting old now. Well, to be fair, when we were there at the Fresno State game, Dave Reardon turned to me and said, hey, do you remember the last time Hawaii beat a, Fresno, a ranked Fresno State team? And then I was like, no. He's like, oh, it was in 2001. I was like, oh, I wasn't born yet. So I feel like we do tend to alienate a lot of our older peers and audience at some point. But here, we gave you some songs. Hope you like that. <laughs> anyway, moving on from what felt like we were just roasting old people. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> we'll get into other games around the Mountain West. So I'm going to start with my Mountain West game of the week. No, it was not Fresno State. I'm sorry. I, I, what I said in that episode did not age well. They went to, I think, like 23rd, and then they just dipped. Oh, there's another good song. Now they're just somebody that I used to know. Yeah. But anyway, I went with um, San Jose State versus Nevada. Because that was, I don't think that was an actually good game. It came down to the last second. I think they kicked the field goal with seven seconds left. But um, it was really weird because w- the game started about an hour before the Hawaii game. And, you know, you were keeping track of it. And you asked me, said, is, is Nick Starkle injured or something? Turns out, I don't know what it was. Nick Nash was just in there for two drives. He got pulled after he threw an interception, which, thank God. Because Nick Starkle, bad SEC quarterback, great Mountain West quarterback. But, uh, you know, you saw Starkle, the, the completions aren't great. He went 21 for 40. But he had 255 yards, three touchdowns, and, you know, one interception. And then I think it, it was kind of like the Hawaii game in the fact that it was a bit of a defensive struggle because Carson Strong didn't have his, sorry for the pun, strongest day. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he went 36 for 54 attempts. Jesus. For 314 yards, he had one touchdown, but he had two picks. Uh, Toa Tawa, not really great either. 16 attempts, 57 yards, sub four yards per carry, and a total of five turnovers in the game, though. Because actually, so they had the one Carson Strong touchdown. And then their other touchdown came on a Tyler Nevins fumble. So it was an interesting game. You know, it's, it's just I like the fact that it came down to uh, a sudden death field goal. My mom and I were actually talking about this last night. Don't worry, she doesn't know anything about football. She's like, yeah, I don't like movies that give me tension because we were talking about Jurassic Park. I was like, what? But for me, it's the opposite. I like things that give you attention. I love Jurassic Park, and I love games that come down to the wire a little bit. Can I ask what movies there are that don't have tension? 
see, I asked the same question. I guess you can construe most comedies don't have a lot of tension, but I don't know. You, you'd have to ask my mom. Okay. That's, Sorry, mom. Yeah, because that's that's weird because usually in comedies, just there's they start weird tension before they reconcile and stuff. But um, yeah, going back to what you said, I mean, I was going to ask you this today. I mean, because I asked you it on Saturday, I was like, I was going to want you to answer on the record if you still believed in Fresno State and we got your answer earlier, like 40 to 14, the Boise State is, it's not good. Don't get me wrong. They're still a good team. They're just maybe not top 25 material. It's not not good. It was a disaster for Hainer and the Bulldogs. You get blown out 40 to 17 by Boise State, who admittedly is a good Mountain West team, but geez, 40? I don't know about that. But yeah, going back, I get my Mountain West team of the week was also San Jose State, Nevada. You know, seeing how it was 7 7 at the half, I think. And then you, I think the final was 27 24 on a last second field goal, like you said. Um, like you said, Carson Strong, 54 passes. That That's a crazy um, high amount. But um, if we're going to talk about other games, um, you know, UNLV won their first game of the year. So they're now, I think, 1-14 under Marcus Arroyo. I don't know about for his career, but I know they're 1-8 this season. They've been a notoriously terrible team. And, I mean, I guess you could say it got better, which is a fun reference. That's a song on Fun's Some Nights album. I'm sorry, I keep making these references, but you know it, it did get better. Uh, uh, um, not a song. A game that I wanted to talk about was uh, Wyoming takes down Colorado State to win. I didn't realize it was called this the bronze boot, which is weird because if you win that, you technically get the boot, which doesn't sound right. But hey, good on you, Wyoming. Levi Williams. He, I, I think he's a bet. I don't think he's a good quarterback, but he did enough to win. Uh, he had, uh, he went nine for 16, 92 yards and two touchdowns. But I believe those two touchdowns were like catch and runs by his receivers. So you, I don't know how well you can construe that, but Levi Holmes went 12 for 116 and a touchdown on the crown. He's our second leading rusher. So I think from the standpoint that Levi Williams is a good quarterback, I'll only know, but he does what he has to to make this Wyoming team win. Because if they have to win on the arm of Levi Williams, that's not going to go well. It's interesting because I think both of those teams are on Hawaii's future schedule. Is that correct? Or what? Yeah, okay. But um, I don't really have much to add. I mean, I didn't really get a chance to watch those games um like like you said wyoming's offense has just been like i think it's deader than hawaii's right you know uh for a while my fantasy team name was one and done the wyoming team name should be run or done because you know run the ball levi was gonna kill you yeah it's interesting in a bad way Pretty um much. the rams defense did or the Rams' offense was terrible. Todd uh, Santeo had two interceptions, and then Dante Wright had both of the Rams' uh, touchdowns. But, you know, other than that, I told you about this. Tell me 
what you think the Air Force passing stats were for Hazik Daniels. That's true to my word. I didn't look. But um, I did look at the Texas stats because you told me that Air Force had more passing yards in Texas. And I was like, that's crazy. But then I saw it and it was like 103 passing yards on, um, what, 16 to 29? That's not great. Um, I think looking at the Air Force, was 21-14 in overtime? Uh, I believe it was something like that. For for our listeners at home, uh, yeah, so Reese is right. They went, Texas had 103 yards on 29 attempts, um, which they completed 16. So, yes, for once, Air Force had more passing yards than someone. That's just crazy. So now I'll give it over to you for your guess. Knowing Air Force, it's either ludicrously high or super low. I have no clue how the score went. I'm going to say it's either like three passes or like 15. I don't know which You one. have to choose one. I have to choose one. Oh, man. By the way, uh, both are wrong. Both are wrong. They didn't pass three or they didn't, they didn't pass three or 15 times. It's basically, I'm giving you a little bit more of a hint. They didn't pass either of those. Okay. I'm going to say upwards of 15 though, since it seems like they lost 17, 18, something like that. So 18, 18 is your number. Sure. Uh, just for um, a little bit of more interesting, give me some yardage. You said more than Texas. So got to be more than 103, obviously. Um, and I don't know, 120, 125? Incorrect. You ready to hear the real stats? I'm ready. They went 13 for 23, 23 attempts, and passed for 226 yards. 226 yards from an Air Force team. And one touchdown and one interception. They passed more than Hawaii did this weekend. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. They still lost? Yes, they, I, I believe that's why they lost. You know, if Air Force doesn't run the ball, they're screwed. I still can't believe they passed their 226 yards, though. Oh, by the way, that um, so Hazit Daniels only passed 22 times. Their free safety, uh, Dane Kuhneman, who I mentioned the last episode, had one pass attempt. You know what that pass went for? I think it's an interception, isn't it? Yup, it's an interception. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score right now. I guess when you're down 14-3 to a triple option team, you have to pass the ball. It sounds so wrong to say Air Force passed for more than Texas and Hawaii. I mean, Hazik Daniels threw a touchdown. How often do you get to say that? I feel like this has just become a running bit where we rag on Air Force. I don't think we're ragging on them. I mean, I guess moving on. I want to talk about the college football playoff. Yeah, you gave me that face. But last week, we saw the initial rankings, and there were a lot of um, unusual seedings. I think Oregon at four was over Cincinnati. was probably the one that most people were like, what the um, – you know, that was a team that lost to Stanford and almost lost to a Washington team this week whose own coach was probably the main reason why they lost. I'm not saying they're the top ten team. I think the lowest voter 
a voter had him on the AP poll was I think number nine this week, which was actually the star advertisers, Dave Reardon. But um, I, I hate the disrespect that Cincinnati's getting right now. Don't we all? I believe even Tanner didn't like it. Um, I, I will say I can sort of understand the CFP's hesitation to put a group of five team in there. Let me play a little bit of devil's advocate. I, I will say I'm not happy with it, but I can understand a little bit why they wouldn't put a group of five team. I mean, after all, we are Hawaii based. We have to think back to that 2008 Sugar Bowl. That was embarrassing. Like even the great Colt, the late great Colt Brennan couldn't overcome that. Okay, I, I agree if you want to temper it down, but the fact that Oklahoma got in or, or Oregon got in over Oklahoma and even Michigan got over Oklahoma. That, that's unexcused. Like, what are they thinking? Like, I don't know what. Mississippi State at 17, Minnesota at 20. That's a joke. UTSA wasn't even in the top 25. I mean, I think they're 15th in the AP poll this week and deservingly so. But, like, who's running this? Put some respect on those roadrunners' names. But, yeah, I honestly, I can't tell you. It's probably for the best because we don't want to get fired. F- fired with quotation marks for us to run these here. But yeah, you know, good thing. We're, we're not going to kill the guy who runs the CFP. It's a committee, right? But like, what are they doing? Thank you. That is our new come on, man segment. What are you doing? Moving on to some what are you doing? What are you doing down in Wake Forest, buddy? I saw the end of that on Saturday. That was kind of crazy. Sort of bummed Wake lost. Um, they were probably, what, the ACC's best chance of making the college football playoff invitational, in quotation marks. And, um, you know, it's probably going to be, what, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State again. Cincinnati should be in there, in my opinion. But um, knowing how last week went, that's probably how it's going to be tomorrow when the next rankings are officially released. You think at any point this will be like UCF, where it's like Cincinnati is the people's champion? No, I don't. I don't think they're going to be that ridiculous. But like, it's not like they're like this. You know, two thousand seven Hawaii. Like I think last year they went down to the wire with Georgia. So it's not like the talent's not there. I don't. That's what I don't get. Like, I get their games, like, their wins are not technically strong. I think the best one was Notre Dame. But, like, if, if you're top two in, in the AP poll, you better be in that top four in the CFP, if I guess that makes sense. I'm not saying it's Cincinnati's fault. I'm saying it's, like, I don't know what the CFP is doing. It's just, it's infuriating. This is why I apologized at the beginning of my opening statement. To quote our, to quote our great segment, what are you doing, man? I, I feel like that's just a rip line. Come on, man. But who cares? Um, yeah, it was really interesting. I think Sam Hartman put the Deacon Demons on his back. I mean, he threw another 51 times, which crazy number. Uh, for 390, almost 400 yards. Five touchdowns. Had two interceptions, which you don't love to see. But, I mean, he went 12 for 78 and two more on the ground. So, I mean... Jesus. Sam Hartman, maybe Heisman. I, I like him for Heisman. 
Maybe not over Kenneth Walker, but I, I do like him as a strong candidate. I think we need to talk about Ted too, right? He struggled against Purdue this week or something, and they lost. So it's it's weird. There's no, I don't think there's a clear front runner for Heisman. I think a lot of people are saying Bryce Young. I don't know how that is. Like to me, I'd rather see somebody like like Kenneth Walker. Um, I don't know. It's just. I haven't really been paying attention to college football outside of Hawaii, if I'm honest. Wow, why aren't we talking about any preseason favorites? What about Spencer Rattler or DJ Uyangale? That's a good question. I don't know. I suppose it's because the fact that... um, One is benched and the other one is doing terrible? Did they not both get benched? I thought it was just... So, um, I, I know in the pit game... Pumachan came in, but he also did terrible. So they brought back in DJ. Yeah, I, I actually watched the Pitt game because I wanted to see uh, I want to see Kenny Pickett because one, you guys said he was really good, but two, I also wanted to see how bad DJ really was. I, I don't know. I don't think he's bad. I think it's just he gets the Clemson supporting cast. I don't know because he seemed okay when last year when he was filling in for Lawrence, but then. Now this year, I don't know what it is. This like this crazy offensive regression. I've never seen it before. The regression depression. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, moving on from any other college football games. I mean, is there anything else you wanted to get to? No, that's pretty much it for me. I mean, I got all my rants out for um, this week's in college football. All right, now on to UNLV. I'll get into a joke that I feel like I've made a million times over this season about this game. I think I made it once in the preseason preview. I did it again yesterday at dinner with my family. Uh, So, yeah, Hawaii travels to the Death Star to ironically play the UNLV Rebels. I thought that was just something funny, a little bit of Star Wars reference for you guys. But, yeah, Reese, take it away. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, I think they actually take out one of the end zone seats, right? Because there's so little people who come in to attend these games, but um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people who from Hawaii are going to be there. I think the last time they were in the 702, they they went there on a weekend trip, so maybe it'll be like a Chargers game and Hawaii overpowers the Rebel crowd. But um, like I said earlier, UNLV they won their first game of the season last year. I'm sure that carries a lot of momentum. So let me get this straight: Are you saying that it's a trap? Yes. Actually, yes. I'll get into that later, but I genuinely do think it's a trap. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this UNLV team. I think they seem to be very well disciplined. They're top fifteen in the country in fewest penalties and penalty yards. Um, bottom of the country in total offense per game. I think they're under three hundred yards. Bottom third in total defense too. They give up about four hundred twenty-five yards a game or something. But um, it's weird because they've only lost by one possession or more than one possession three times this year, and they were to, I think, ranked teams and then Nevada the other week. So they still keep their games very close. Uh, you know, you talked about the penalties a little bit and how they're very disciplined. As someone who once won an AYSO tournament for sportsmanship, I can tell you that that's a little bit of BS. No one cares. Well, I guess in football, it's a little bit different. You don't, you know, it matters a little bit more, but at the end of the season, you don't win. No one cares. That's true. But I guess in the game itself, you think about the penalties and it's like there are some where it's like elongates drives. 
it ends up putting the ball at like the three yard line or something. But like, yeah, that's true. You're right. Yes, me and my sad soccer career. Anyway, uh, <laughs> like okay, here's I had a sadder one. I, I did it for like two years when I was. Anyway, I mean, so it's something I want to get to before I do any of my game thoughts. When we were in the press box with Steven Sai, they looked over at us. They looked over at us and said, "Oh, hey, are you guys going to Vegas?" To which I said, "One, no, I'm broke. Two, we're a part of a student newspaper, and three, I'm 19. There's nothing fun to do in Vegas when you're 19." He said, "There's a lot of things to do in Vegas, and I guess there are. But I've been to Vegas a lot of times when I was, when I was, you know, and like you're in that weird age where it's like." You can't go gambling, but you're too old to like go to like Excalibur or Circus Circus or whatever. But like, yeah, he's like, you should talk to the student media board about getting you guys some travel for that. And I was like, that'd be that'd be fun if they could. I doubt they will, but you know, um, it's it's not even that big of a game to be honest. Yeah, you guys hear that media board? We want to go to Vegas or you know, send us out to Laramie maybe for the end of the season. If you are listening, student media board, Big West Conference tournament for basketball is in Vegas. Hook us up. Hit us up, bro. <laughs> anyway, uh, so something interesting that I came across that I actually didn't find in my preseason preview. Their quarterback, Cameron Friel, he's actually a Hawaii guy. So when I was looking this up on ESPN, which I don't want to call them out too bad, they had his hometown listen to Kahului, which I believe is on Maui. Uh, he's actually from Kahalu, Kahalu. I don't. How does that mistake get made? I mean, I guess it's a little interesting, but no, he's he's from Kahalu. He spent two years uh, at St. Louis and then spent his final two years at uh, Kailua playing quarterback. So, just some notes that I had. He had a really weird season. He's only had, I think. In his last five games, which is what I looked at on ESPN, he's only had one game without an interception. Uh, when he's healthy, they usually lean on his arm. He's had some really crazy passing stats. Uh, in the last five games, he only had one game under 200 yards, 200 pass yards. And in his last game, he went 20 for 33. It's a 60.6% completion percentage, 227 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Yeah, going back to the ESPN thing, I think that's I think you have a right to dog on them. It's about I don't know where Kahalu is. I think but it's 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 a it's weird when you get I think you it's bad when you get the island wrong, <laughs> in my opinion. Um I'm not a I'm not a geography expert, but um I don't think it's 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 not great if you put he's from Maui when he's really from Oahu. That's I don't know what's up with that. So when I was looking up, looking it up, I'm pretty sure they also spelled Kailua wrong. Let me just double check to make sure. I don't know because I feel like we dog they get dogged on a lot, to be honest. I mean, what this past week they had like one World Series post. And I think there were more about Squid Game than there were about the World Series, which is it's not very sports, is it? Oh, I was wrong. The UNLV website spelled Kailua wrong. So, you know, those of you from Hawaii know Kailua is spelled K-A-I-L-U-A. They added an H on for some reason. 
that's a that's interesting because that's how actually i found out that uh, he wasn't from kahului because at first i was like oh i, I wonder where he played if he went to kahului because you know maybe maui or something i was like oh that's pretty interesting a quarterback from a neighbor island and then it said kailua i was like that that's not a maui where do you put the h in kailua at the end what the okay <laughs> i don't know what to say man i i don't know whoever unlv's uh media director is can we get someone on that buddy you know how how does that work though because doesn't the player have to give up a lot of this information (laughs) i mean technically yeah but i mean maybe they did it verbally i don't know man you gotta think especially with unlv it's not like it's like some like random like school in the middle like like walla walla or something it's not prairie view a&m yeah exactly See, this comes after, um, so shout out to Neil, Neil Iwamoto, I guess. Um, thanks for changing my name, buddy. Uh, yeah, so for what two home games, my name was my last name was spelled Asato, my last name's actually spelled Asamoto, but yeah, thank you, Neil, for changing that. Love you guys. Yeah, it was good to see you go from Bodas Asato to Bodhi Asamoto. <laughs> We've got a little bit off track. Okay, yes. Let's get back. Let, let's get back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I got into their running back a little bit. Charles Williams. Interesting build at 5'9", 200. So you can tell he's a little bit of a shorter, thicker running back. Kind of like when I first saw Diedrich Parson. That guy's built thick. Um, He's not... He hasn't been great outside of that's out of the Utah State game where he went 27 for 221 yards, three touchdowns, and 8.2 yards per carry. Uh, though he, he didn't have a long at 75, so a little bit of an asterisk. But yeah, other than that, um, he had six games with a sub four, uh, four yards per carry. Uh, had 1.8 yards per carry versus Nevada. And at uh, the New Mexico win, he had... 22 attempts, 74 yards, 3.4 yards per carry, two touchdowns, and a long of 14. Uh, season stat line of 184 yard attempts, uh, 184 attempts, 823 yards, 10 touchdowns, surprisingly, and 4.5 yards per carry. Yeah, I think he was, I'm not really too sure, but he was probably the, one of the main factors in their game last year that Hawaii played against. Like, he always seems to be, like, the person that, teams have to sort of watch out for but then you have like receivers like i think kyle williams what like 521 receiving yards on the year and they've got a lot of deep threats i'm thinking i'm looking at season longs on receptions i mean i don't know how many of these are like catch and run and deep shots and all that but a lot i think there's what four four receivers who have a long of bigger than 80 or not 80 excuse me 50 longer than 50 like, Please forgive us for not watching an eight-loss UNLV Rebels team. It's not like they're f- easy to find, too. I think the only one I watched was the Utah State game. And that was because it was right before the Nevada game. So it was like, yeah. Again, to our viewers, I apologize. Um, we didn't really get, I didn't really get to do a lot of homework on UNLV, to be honest. I just looked up stats. So, I mean, for me, I, I think where it comes on a lot, I like to do a lot of my research on the defense. I mean, we're coming off a really, really exciting defense. I, I, I don't like to praise opponents, but 
I think that Aztec defense, the way it's built with that weird 3-3-5 and the Aztec defender, I, I really like how it's built. I, I think it's a work of art. And, you know, it, it was really interesting to see. So I died. I dived a little bit into the UNLV defense, which is a little bit more of a base. Uh, you know, I just like to look out for guys. If you look at my uh, flip sheet, every single game, I circle the guys I highlight and anyone that I want to look at. So, I mean, I have the 3-3-5 uh, run down on the San Diego State defense. It's kind of like a 3-4, if anything. And then, you know, the guys that I highlighted in these previews. So for this time, I'm going with uh, Brendan Scott, who leads the team with four uh, four sacks. Jacoby Windmon, who has 84 tackles this season. I think he's a leader of the team by like a good, good, good lot of tackles. A, a lot. It's a lot. Uh, he also has a sack and a force fumble this season. And... So this is something I always really like to look at whoever the top DB is because, like we've said, our passing offense has been slow, to put it nicely. Um, Philip Hill is their DB. He leads the team with three picks, which is somehow tied for 16th in the country, according to ESPN. Then again, we did just get off a whole rant where we dived on ESPN for putting Kahului instead of Kahalu'u. So take that for what you will. After a brief pause, we have confirmed that Philip Hill is 16th in the country with three interceptions. Yes, I, I found that seriously hard to believe, but then I looked at the stats myself from the official NCAA statistics website. He is. He's tied with Corey Bethley with three and a bunch of other people. Like I think Trenton Thompson. Did he have a pick this week? Yes, he was. Ah, Trenton Thompson. The He's not a safety. He's a, I believe that stands for free warrior. They don't call their safeties safeties. For some reason, it's called warriors, which go holy warriors. It's probably because they're the Aztecs, aren't they? It, they also have a position. It's basically what Corey Bethany plays. It's like that hybrid safety linebacker. They call that the Aztec. So, yeah, it's an interesting defense. I, I, did, I did a um, – so I got there super early. They said the media entrance opened at 1. So I got – so naturally, I got there at one thirty, before literally everyone else. When Derek walked in, he's like, Jesus, what are you doing in here? So I go, it, it opened up at 1, right? But, yeah, so I was reading up a little bit on that uh, Aztec defense. It's, it's a work of art. But going back to UNLV defense, sorry, we're getting a little off topic tonight. But um, tonight, tonight, today, it's Monday. I'm off my game. Okay. But um, we got to get a coffee machine in the office. That's, that's going to be our next pitch after the um, audio equipment. Yeah. Man, I don't know about that. Man, I don't know what else you want to talk about regarding UNLV's defense. Not, they give up a lot. I mean, yeah, that, that's all I got. I mean, you know, now we'll sort of transition into what we think they need to do to win and, you know, how this offense needs to improve. Shots fired. Bang, bang, bang. I'm not going to say anything because Eric Matthews, who runs the um, Hawaii football Twitter, took shots at Dean Blandino. That was hilarious. Yes, it was. But um, if we're going to talk about what Hawaii needs to do to win, I think it's starting to sound like a broken clock here. 
limit the turnovers, dead last in the country, guys, in giving up the turn, giving up the football. But then, like, the defense is, like, I think second now in forcing them. And then now they're giving it back after. For me, I think they need to do the exact opposite of what happened this game. Just sling it. It's an eight-loss UNLV team. I know we've said that um, they've only lost a couple times by um, two scores, but it, it's mainly been one-score losses. Look, if you believe you have the talent on the team that you do, and I believe they have the talent, sling it. Throw the deep shot. I think, you know, Jared Smart hasn't really gotten involved this offense. Get him out there. Nick Marner's been a really good receiver. I think he made the um, Blitnikoff list early in the season. We, he's been a little quiet since then, but you've seen him still make the big play occasionally. And just, I, I think well, I've seen Runner, I see, I've seen Tanner say this, you know, maybe throw it back to a little bit of the run and shoot. Go spread sometimes. You know, I know you brought in Caleb Phillips in that tight end group, but you know, sometimes you just got to sling it, throw it downfield. Not five deep shots into the end zone in a row, though. I don't want to see that again. I question it though because the offensive line isn't really built for deep shots. If if your defensive line is even like I don't know breathing or something, like it it just it the quarterback doesn't have enough time, in my opinion, to get the deep shot off, which is why I'm not really a fan of it. I like the West Coast short passing sort of thing. But um, going back to my multiple turnovers, I'm gonna say this. If Hawaii, I'm not saying I'd want them to, but if Hawaii does give up multiple turnovers on Saturday, I'm putting out the meme I created during Saturday's game on my personal Twitter. At Reese underscore N12, if you're going to follow it. But um, honestly, the turnovers, can't say it enough. Stop turning over the ball. Uh, you know, if you want to follow some meme accounts, follow at the green and black, D A green and black on Twitter too. You know, maybe I'll be putting out some memes during the game too. You know, if things go wrong, I will most definitely cry. It's a one win UNLV team. I will be very sad. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy. Like UNLV's, they've, they've lost by what one score like five times this year. They, I think they can seriously give Hawaii a run for their money which is worrying for if you're a Hawaii fan, to be honest. Like, it's it's just, I, I still think Hawaii pulls the win, in my opinion, but I feel like UNLV is going to give them a big run for their money. Yeah, I mean, segueing into my final thoughts, um, to quote Admiral Akbar, which I already have once this episode, it's a trap. I, I think it is a possible trap, trap game. The Rebels are on the rise after their first win. I think that that's a um that's an aspect that we've kind of largely ignored so far in this podcast i mean you know yeah we can name all these stats and everything but when it comes down to it these are actual people like wins and losses will affect them you know you win you feel good you play better when you feel good i don't know if that's a stupid stat but it's something that i believe in personally it's not really a stat but you're right like they're obviously going to have all this momentum now coming into saturday and that that's gonna hurt Hawaii because now they got the perfect to have a chance at a bowl game. And I think Hawaii is a pretty good chance with their upcoming schedule, but they're gonna have to win on the road twice. And the fact that they haven't won a conference game on the road since Fresno State last year, which was the opening game of the year, 
it does not bode well for this Hawaii team. And um, I guess my final thought is I didn't think the fans would turn on the grams this quickly, to be honest. I, I feel like, are they turning on Todd? Because that feels a little unfair. I don't think it's fair they are. I think they're turning on him more because his son is because Bo's the offensive coordinator. I, I like I think he's doing a good job, but Bo is just I don't know what's going on with that offense. I've never seen that big of a regression. Yeah, actually see, outside of Clemson. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, see, I agree. I think Todd's doing a great job because he's running the defense. Special teams could definitely be better. But um this offense has been the main griping point of all Hawaii fans this season. I don't think Bo has done nearly enough to keep his job this season. I I honestly think he'll be out by the end of the season. Then again, I have been like what 0 for 2 on no no I'm 1 and 0 on coach firings with Rolovich. Yeah okay but to I'll be honest that that's a gimme like but um you're right like but I think this Hawaii the white fan base, they're so used to getting these explosive offenses, like with the run and shoot, like you have a quarterback who's going to lead the country in passing yards, set up like NCAA records that are going to be broken for like 10 years and stuff and whatever. But looking at this offense, it's it's so much different. It's not like they're explosive at all, to be honest. It's 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 different for this Hawaii team. Now I'd like to go to a tweet uh, by Ed Hayworth Tanner during the game, who uh, kind of echoes our and all Hawaii fan sentiments here. Uh, effort level by hashtag Hawaii football tonight. One ranked is the defense, who did a really good job. Two is the student section. That crowd was rocking. Yeah. Three was Madeline and his crew. Four was Todd Cram shouting at a special team unit. All the way down at 30 is offense. And uh, I'm going to leave this to you because Tanner said this. So I'm just going to say something in a text that Tanner sent me. Cortez Davis liked his post about the offense giving no effort compared to the defense. You know, I, I think maybe you're starting to see not only the Hawaii fans get uh, get restless, but you're maybe starting to see the defense. You know, tensions are high. They're, they have to be perfect. And I think the defense has done their job. And maybe it's boiling over to the point where players aren't happy with they with the way the offense is running. You might be right, but um, it, it's weird because I think there were points this season that the defense didn't do their job, and then that led to the offense, you know, struggling and all that. But then when the defense does do its job, the offense doesn't. It's it's they they got to find that work balance pretty much, and um. I'm pretty sure when he said like what 30, he said 30 was the number was the offense, right? Like I'm pretty sure like me making the meme was at like 29 or something at that point. No, I'm just playing play, but um I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't think they're not give I don't think they're giving like zero effort on that offense, but it's just what well, they're not getting the production they should be getting. Yeah, you know, I, I think you you said it right. I'll, I'll put it a little bit more of a concise way. What I think you're trying to say is that the defense has been inconsistent, but it's hit its highs. It's had some lows, but it's hit its highs. The offense has just been consistently on the low. Right. Yeah, 
especially now, I think this defense is hitting its highs right now. And the fact that the offense isn't taking advantage of it is, it's, again, for a lack of better words, disappointing. So what's going to happen in this next three games next year and so on? Um, that's going to be probably a big point to watch if you're a Hawaii football fan. All right, now to one unscripted uh, one I had in the game in the podcast because I'm so happy that I hit um, hit on the head with the under, which honestly it wasn't that hard to predict with the you know with the um, SDSU team. So oh Jesus, so wow Hawaii's minus three they favored by three to win. You think Hawaii covers this? It's tricky. I do. Like, like, like I said earlier, this UNLV team could probably steal a win, to be honest. Um, I said I pretty much give up Hawaii, but um, I'm looking at ESPN's power, football power index. They've got UNLV winning this 56.1%. That is definitely a shock. Vegas has them at minus three with 90% of the bets on Hawaii, whereas ESPN has them 56% to win. The over-under on this game is 57 points. I, I think that it's a fair line considering what these teams have done. I think hopefully you'd like to see the defense smother all over Cameron Friel. You know, I, I think Cortez Davis and Hugh Nelson have played really well. Uh, is I, I don't think Cameron Lockridge is out for this season. Uh, he might be. Oh, he might be, but Cameron Lockridge is basically, he's been out for the past couple weeks and it, it sucks, but Hugh Nelson and Cortez Davis have been holding it down. I, I like this defense to hopefully hold this UNLV team. Hopefully we'll hit the under on 57 and, you know, Hawaii will run away with this, but you never know. Yeah. I think for me, forget the, forget the over-under on that. What's the over-under on the total amount of yards UNLV is going to have? If you put it under that average, obviously you're going to win. But um, I'd like to see that them hold them to under that 297.1 total yards of total offense. Uh, well, yeah. So one final thing, I'm going to take Hawaii to cover because I, I believe they can win this. I think there's also a chance they lose, but I'd like to look more on the positive side for once, for once. You know, this podcast has been all about me being negative, but I, I will take them to cover. I like this. I like this defense. I like this Hawaii defense. That's it. But I think that's all we've got for you today. So from me, Bodhi Asimoto, and my editor, Reese Nagoka, uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. We'll be recapping the UNLV game and previewing the Colorado State game.